0: Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. My name is Ryan and I am continuing this journey of mine to do what everybody asked for and try to determine what is the single greatest horror movie of 1985. Tonight, and for one night only, we are going to be discussing Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. With me as always on this journey is the one, the only Tompkins.
1: Tomkins, go Tompkins! Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're so cool. Go Tompkins! Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, what's up? It's me, Tompkins. Here I told with- you
0: I told you last show you're not allowed to bring your mother to the studio. <laughs>
1: uh she does not listen. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, Tompkins you said that after last week that if you don't this is a competition show of course Tompkins mm. will be duking it out with somebody to see who can talk about Friday the th- or <laughs> different one Nightmare on Elm Street 2 the best you said after last week's loss that if you lose again you will walk off stage and never return yes so buddy I did you a favor tonight <laughs> competing against you is Taylor is back
2: What's up, guys? What did I miss? Yeah, go Taylor. Whoa, oh, my God. Oh, wow. Taylor. Hey. So, what, apparently, what I missed is the audience turning around their opinions of me. <laughs>
1: Full 180.
2: Yeah, I think I've won um, one episode of movie of the year ever. Is that right? Do you remember what it was? Uh, No. More importantly, who are you competing against?
0: It would have been I'm me, right? I'm competing against
2: myself. I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm assuming you beat me. So, But let's keep in mind that uh, 85 horror fans don't know about Greg. He is the host of the other show. And if it was me against Taylor, there's no way I'm beating Taylor. If you've yeah. ever heard Greg talk about Taylor for – No, if you've ever heard Greg talk for five minutes, it will all be about Taylor <laughs> and his love for him.
2: Okay, you say that, but Greg has hosted many of the episodes, and I have never won.
0: <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Well, that's why I brought you here.
2: Yeah, so that you can prove that you're the better friend.
0: Because Tomkin needs the layup, or Taylor will win, and we'll never see Tompkins again. Gentlemen, I have to ask you. It's my job to ask you. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Overall, what did we think of Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge?
1: This Is that one's a tough question? Yeah. Well, this one's hard because, like, we so we watched the a, a documentary. And, you know, when we talked last week, you know, we we talked about this and it's like famous for one particular aspect. And outside of that, it is a little bit hard to come up with stuff to talk about. And having already, I kind of wish I'd had the chance to go into the movie not knowing any of that and then had it dropped on me. Um, Because the whole time you're watching it, you've got that lens on already. So it's so hard to extract it and just be like okay what's Freddy doing in this how is this just working as a horror movie
0: where's where's Freddy at what is he doing right now uh, the yeah. documentary that Tompkins referenced all three of us did watch as well it's called Scream Queen uh, My Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street Scream comma Queen Scream comma Queen and it is about uh, it's a documentary sort of about and made by in a, in a sense the star of the movie uh, Mark Patton and basically what happened to his life after the movie came out um, we're gonna get into what all of that stuff is right now. Taylor, uh, had you had you seen this movie before this week, and did you know what it was famous for besides being I, a Freddy movie?
2: I had not seen it. I knew what it was famous for. Like I've seen several of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I knew already. Everyone said two is the gay one. Uh-huh. Uh, I was just
1: about to <laughs> say, should we all on three say what we think it's famous for and make sure we are on the same? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I spoiled it. If, <laughs> if That's a spoiler for you. Uh, two two is the gay one. That was the only thing that I knew about this one, um, but I hadn't seen it before. Um, and I, I I was like, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. <laughs> and, uh,
0: reputation earned. But do yeah. you sort of agree with Tompkins' assessment that it's sort of like the it's the interesting part about it it's sort of all it really has going for it
2: yeah I mean uh, unless you which I think we might get into later like uh, talking about it it's most interesting with that aspect or in relation to the rest of the franchise but like Uh as a standalone it's sort of um, yeah it's got that one thing going for it and then um, it's it's kind of flat for the rest of it It, it's kind of weird I it's a It's like it's a very famous movie, but not for the same reason that other horror movies from this era are famous, if that makes sense.
1: It does a lot of stuff that just doesn't feel like it makes sense. Like, I I would not have been surprised at all if this had been one of those cases where they're like, oh crap, we need a sequel. Get whatever, you know, script just find a
0: screenplay off the top of the pile, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they did. Freddy.
1: Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure I wasn't because in the documentary, it, the the screenwriter at least talked about it as if he, you know, he was like, I didn't just want to write, you know, the sequel. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something different. That's that. That's yeah. how I took what he said. But it's also possible that he just wanted to do a non-standard horror movie from the start. And then they're like, How about you make uh, that scary guy Freddie?
2: Yeah, I think it was a little column A, a little column B. Because, like, the first Nightmare was, like, a huge success. And it was, if I remember correctly, it was, like, their first movie for New Line, basically. And it was, like, they were, like, fuck, all right, uh, if we need to keep going as a company, we need to make more of these. So I think they, like, probably brought him in. And I assume, like, he had ideas for, like, another thing. And they were, like, we'll just, like, turn it into... A Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and I think he just sort of yeah. mishmashed like what he already had with like the other half of a script that fit what they needed. Yeah, and the like, company. All right, it, go.
0: The company had been around for like fifteen years before Elm Street one, but throughout the eighties, like New Line was ju- it was like its nickname was the house that Freddie built, and basically it was their a uh, financial pipeline, you know, and it's not unlike uh, independent. Studios, you know, of this ilk and genre studios. And then also it's not unlike horror franchises. It's just like, next one. We just got that one out. Let's get the next one going. (laughs)
1: They are about to forget the name Freddy Krueger. We need another (laughs) one out there.
2: Because it's literally like a year in between the first one and this one, right? Like The release dates
0: are one, almost exactly one year apart. That which is, that's crazy. And I think that between... Watching the movie and because it, it is it is odd, it does feel like a bunch of puzzle pieces that might not be from the same puzzle. And then the documentary, and then reading about it this week, like it's it was sort of this all hands on deck in the worst way possible. Like the documentary, the it's it's it remains unclear to me exactly what the screenwriter had in mind because he changes his opinion depending on who he's talking to. Um, yeah. But the screenwriter was changing the movie to allegedly be more gay as they were shooting. Um, the head of New Line was on the set every day, scared shitless that his, uh, company was going to fail. And it was, and, and Wes Craven was gone. Like the, the granddaddy of the franchise is not there. So everyone is just stumbling around trying to put this thing together. And that's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. a mishmash.
1: Which, you know, like go, well, uh, I I don't want to talk about it. I want to save some of this for, like, the the actual thing, but it sort of makes sense that that is an environment that let the, you know, like like comparing this to Fright Night where there's a lot of uh, homoerotic slash homophobic content, um, but it's in your more traditional 80s subdued style where on this, like, the thing in the documentary that they keep saying is, like, the subtext is just text. I think that those, like, weird, rushed... Uh, you know, a camel is a horse by committee kind of conditions are what gave rise to that. I think. Yeah.
2: Like, could you imagine making the second avatar movie a year after the first avatar movie? Of course not. You You have to get 15 or 20 20 years.
1: Yeah. I could, I could do it if they just asked me to recut the footage from the first one in a different way, you know? The reason that Tompkins said
0: he was going to save some of this for later is because this is a scored show. Tompkins and Taylor are going at each other, and Tompkins wants those points. So, in order to get those to Tompkins, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to dive directly into, I'm just going to say Nightmare 2, or Elm Street 2. The title's too fucking long to say every time. Bye. Bye. Just one year after Wes Craven kicked off the would-be franchise, New Line Cinema released A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. This was also a hit, but word of mouth quickly spread that it was a turd, and eventually became known as the worst of the series. But that was before the gays got a hold of it. The movie tells the story of Jesse, played by a young Mark Patton, whose family moves on to the legendary Elm Street. And wouldn't you know it, before long, Freddy Krueger isn't just torturing Jesse, but almost becoming him. Over the years, the movie became an important part of queer horror, as the homoerotic subtext can be so thick in this movie, it is sometimes hard to, not, to just not call it text. Last year, a documentary about Mark Patton's life post-nightmare called Scream, Queen was released. It mostly focused on Patton's claim that the movie typecast him as a gay man and ruined his career. Taste buds, I ask you this. Let's move past just calling something queer, but actually try to figure out what it's saying about queerness. Does this movie, and we talked about this with Fright Night too. does this movie come off more as a homosexual movie or like a homoerotic movie or a homophobic movie?
1: I think it is kind of like... Uh, one, one thing that I was asking myself as I was watching this is if homophobic things are just inherently also homoerotic, which sort of makes sense because a lot of homophobia, I think, does stem from, uh, you know one's own sort of unexamined curiosity and things like that um and in a very especially american movie way it, it it you you can read it either way especially because if you are going to make something queer in a repressive society you have to pretend to be condemning it and that's the excuse to show it and that happens yep. not just with queerness that happens with lots of different things, especially in American movies where we're like traditionally uh, obsessed with self-censorship or uh, just be a little more subtle
0: right you can you don't have to condemn it if you just if you bury it a little bit more and then you yeah. can get away with basically whatever you want but this movie said no burying for me thank you
2: yeah, yeah I, I think that's where this movie runs into problems is with like you know the the perception of it. Where like, a, like From almost like The beginning of Horror movies Like they've sort of Been like slipping In like queer Subtext because They're inherently Like outsider Movies uh, But this one is Like just fully Like uh, here's a, a gay movie At like right At like near the Height of the AIDS crisis Which is like Ooh uh, So like th- That's when people Like they- there's no Like wall that They can put up To pretend like They don't see it So it's like this is a gay movie and I have to have a, an opinion about that.
1: Yeah. I also, oh. I, I, am very glad that we did watch that documentary because I'm like almost nervous about how I would have talked with this otherwise, because watching in the documentary, people talk about it and be like, Oh my God, he's so obviously gay and like all of this stuff and being sort of like flip casually flippant about it. Um, it was like kind of bothersome, like once you re- once you see like the everything that was going on, when you're reminded of the actual historical context and the guy's own personal life and stuff like that. And I think we do have a tendency even today to sort of talk about things, especially as let's face it, straight dudes. Uh, and and as sort of like Tobias Funke in a arrested development way, where it's like, you know we take a weird delight in poking fun at things that feel sort of, like, closeted or whatever um, without taking time to examine, like, I don't know why someone would still be in the closet or why these things would go up. So I, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know how much that, like, actually relates to the the huh. text of the movie except except just, you know, the whole the whole thing where, like, really what makes this unusual is that a lot of the sort of homoeroticism that you would see typically in, like, an 80s movie, like, this is the decade of, like, Top Gun, you know, like, it's there. Right. Yeah. Um, It's just yeah. not hidden as well. Um, yeah, I
0: will give the movie credit for this. Like, um, I think that you could, like, there's a lot to argue of why, like, this, you know, like, how gay people, like, own this movie now, and it's, you know, uh, it's everything that they wanted a horror movie to be that they never thought they could get in 1985. I had to look up the year that this came out, even though we've been talking about 85 for... <laughs> So long um and then y- there's also a lot of stuff where you can say like i am a I'm a homophobe, and I love this movie because it fucking hates gays as yeah. much as I do, but you do have to give the movie credit that there at no point uh is there like limp wristed lispy stereotypical point at and laugh gay characters you know like it yes. never takes that route
2: yeah yeah it- it's very like it- rather than here's a stereotype of like a gay person. Here's just like someone who is a little like quiet and like sensitive, uh, an outsider. And, and yeah. And yeah. It, like, and I think it's a good point that I don't remember if it was in the documentary that they brought this up or if I was just reading something, but like, it is a very important point to point out that like he is in this movie, like a, a man playing the like quote unquote final girl role right. that's traditionally yeah. filled by a woman. And, I mean, Um, it
0: was in Nightmare 1, and then it was in Nightmare 3 through however many there were. Like, they were like, whoops, we... It's supposed to be a girl. Like, just a girl. And we're never going to do that again.
1: It's also interesting, because, like, the thing you hear a lot now is, like, can't we have gay characters who just are gay? They're not, you know, a stereotype of a gay person, and the entire point of their character isn't that they're, like, a gay person constantly pointing to their own gayness. And you kind of for the most part actually get that in this movie because um the main character just has like mannerisms that signal queerness um but it's it's not as uh repressed or hidden as you would normally see and it's also not pointed to because apparently the director had no fucking clue what he was doing yeah so it is just like one of the few instances you get of a character who is gay existing as they are.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Cause like there's at the same time, there's like Jesse who is like a pretty, just like I'm existing, like, like as like a gay character and like my like potential gayness isn't like involved in the movie. But then there's also like the one scene where they go to what is obviously supposed to be like uh, a, like a queer bar and have like his coach, like in a full leather harness uh and like represented as some he's sort in of a like, leather
1: vest let's <laughs> oh, you're right he's not a harness i'm he's sorry not wearing I, I like a.
2: <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad uh but but it is sort
1: of like it
2: seems like it's trying to hint that like the coach is like some sort of like beyond sexual deviant which that's where i well, think they... the
1: movie veers
2: into like potential homophobia it, like yeah it, that's its most that's... explicit
1: yeah and it and it's more explicit than that because they do mention um before that um sam's friend uh grady grady yeah says um yeah ron grady uh he he he's he explicitly mentions like that that guy goes to s m s and m clubs and gets his rocks like all that kind of stuff so so yeah it's and a weird
0: let's talk about the coach's death too like yeah. So th- you know they go back and so he sees him at the bar and you know like it's it's it seems sort of like a gay bar and then uh the coach steps up with his not harness his his leather vest and then we're like oh fuck this is okay so this is a little stereotypical and then now we're back at the school and yeah. the coach uh gets dragged into the shower naked and just gets his towel whipped well, or his butt whipped with a towel
1: First he has him run laps and then he tells him to hit the shower and then you get what feels like a very erotically charged scene of him just in the shower and while the coach goes and gets some jump ropes out in a way that feels like bondagey That what? That feels bondagey? Yeah, where it's like I am going to use these. <laughs> and then instead he is uh pulled away by the jump ropes, tied up into the shower naked uh whipped very hard in the butt with a towel and then um freddie slashes his back um and then he expires and then it turns out that jesse is freddie so it's very yeah that's that's the most like absolute it, it drops two pretenses there's no more subtext whatsoever and uh, there's you can't pretend it's not like homophobic at that Slash, point anymore. Slashes yeah. his
0: back in the exact same way that uh, your back would be slashed if you're in a movie and you just had good sex, right? Like yes, it's yeah. the nails in the exact same way.
2: Yeah, it is it, like I, I think that is like a weird like nexus point of the movie where like on the one hand it's like removing a lot of subtext on whether or not this is a queer movie, but also like engaging in what should be like. The, the, the better subtext of like Freddy is like this thing that's inside of him that he's like wrestling with and like worried that like he's like some sort of like deviant demon monster where like I think a, 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 an actual like queer writer or someone like with a, a more empathetic tone trying to write that movie might have wrestled with that and like somehow done like a Babadook acceptance like style thing yeah. Um, or like, thing, but I don't think that fits into a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I mean, like, it's it's really hard for me
0: to not see this movie after like uh, watching the movie, uh, watching the documentary, and everything. As, uh, basically, Freddy can just be whatever is scariest to you, and what is scariest to this person. Or even like the documentary actually cleared some of this up for me, but if I had not watched it, it seems like what the what the scariest thing to this person is gay people coming to the suburbs and unleashing their monster all over our children and our families in our already perfect way of life. But yeah. it's so accepted in the gay community. Do you guys think that like if you if you just if you uh if you see something that's sort of like if, it could represent you or you just think it's fun and awesome and you like to talk about is it okay just to ignore all the stuff that could be terrible about it? Just like fuck that, I don't, I don't even like think about that part. That part's the horror part. I'm just focusing I, on the gay positivity of the movie.
1: Yeah, I think that any uh, group of people that has struggled to uh, be represented in mainstream Hollywood has examples like this of sort of like the early or first example of like that is definitely the thing I am in a way that like you cannot deny. Um, and it receives, like, you know, it's it's not just, like, a quick glimpse or whatever. They receive significant screen time, that kind of thing. You know, there's, like, all sorts of, you know, like, like uh, there's been lots of written on how, like, you know, like, a lot of the characters Sydney Poitier played were, like, uh, problematic in various ways. But, you know, until you get a character who is both the thing you are and not so problematic that's all you have and then you have like fond memories of that and yeah your community like takes possession of it and like yeah i i, I think that like if you're part of a repressed community i give you permission to <laughs> cherish <laughs> yeah I, I think it's like sort of a
2: rorschach like test based on like who you are like i think watching this movie you could be like this is a uh, homophobic or, like, if you are a queer person, you're like, this is me, and I find stuff that I enjoy and I can ignore. It's sort of like the, uh, like the Sleepaway Camp discourse, where, yeah. like, it's, like, one of the first instances of, like, uh, or, or, like, not one of the first, but, like, a major instance of, like, a trans character. Like, the first one, entirely, almost definitely problematic. Sleepaway Camp 2 just an openly trans character who like happens to be the murderer, but like it has nothing to do with her like trans identity or anything. So it's like, if you want to like respond to that and uh, accept it, which I know like a lot of people do great. And then some people are like, this is a horrific, you know, like thing that they've put into the world and should be ended. Uh, who am I to say?
0: Does the trans character in sleep sleep camp two though, have a frozen fucking face and that, wolf laugh the entire movie though (laughs) Uh,
2: Um, i i wish would have been a better movie but no unfortunately um, it's just very very chipper
1: i want to like to so just to get back to the idea of like what is this you know like the original question what is this movie saying about queerness specifically it is uh you know like important to contextualize this is happening during the the aids crisis and when If you were, you know, like Sam talked about a lot of this stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, like the idea of, of sleeping with a man felt especially dangerous, uh, like you might be killing them, like you might be killing yourself or whatever. And so all it, it, like that sort of fits neatly with the idea of Freddie wanting to possess him seemingly towards all the people that he might have erotic interest in, um, But also, I think something that sort of complicates that is the fact that... So if you're going by um, the idea of... So whenever Freddy starts to take him over, that's him in danger of expressing his homosexuality. There's also the scene where it happens when he's about to have sex with Lisa. And uh, there's also the scene where he winds up in his sister's bedroom. And so I, I think, yeah, also what's going on is that there's a more standard, um, you know, like, average Joe becoming the villain plot line that you see in slashers where it's like what it's tapping into is, is like a, a a masculine fear that you might be just borderline dangerous to everyone near you um, in a very violent way. And then I think that the screenwriter who is not a good screenwriter was just pulling shit from the zeitgeist and uh, you know, that those two things got kind of bound up in each other.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. I also think that like this movie came out at like the exact worst possible time for everyone involved, where like I think it was being made before like AIDS had like the name AIDS and was like a thing, like it was happening, but it wasn't getting a lot of coverage. And then right around the time it came out was when like the the media frenzy sparked. So I think like both this movie and like Mark Patton were like victims of. Aids essentially for like the the residual backlash homophobia that occurred. Yeah, where, I like, think that like the, I have a lot
0: of issues with the documentary because yeah. it's it's basically like everyone is a shithead. Like everyone yeah. kind of sucks, and I uh, I think that's because it's true. I think that all of those people actually do suck. But I uh, <laughs> I think that the most important part of it was getting a reminder of like a time you know, like before we either were around or remember where it's almost like in the seventies getting close to the eighties. Uh, it was, it seemed like we were on the path of, it was okay to be gay. And then AIDS hit and it like, it was just a bunch of back steps. Just like, no, you know what? Fuck that. And yeah. there's people in the documentary being like, uh, like they're going to kill us all. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad that they're getting AIDS and I hope they only give it to themselves. So they die, but instead they're probably going to give it to us cause it's, we're sharing a water fountain, and i like it, it just se- it seems like oh fuck we were almost there and then yeah. uh, everybody like yeah. it, these like these people i don't know like these very conservative people that will go onto a camera and say like oh don't don't hide my face don't you know clear my yeah. voice i want i want everyone to know i'm saying this i uh, they just they look for these platforms they're like aids sweet now i can go shit talk yeah. gay people and fucking hate them like i really do now yeah, I have a Yeah, AIDS pretext. on its
2: own, right. like, set things back, like, an entire generation. But partly because it wiped out an entire generation. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, like, Mark Patton, like, he said, like, I, I was getting, like, a ton of offers to play, like, very important gay Like, I think he had an offer to be, like, the first, like, lead queer character on a network television show, which, like, would have been huge, but he was like, I had to turn it down because, like... But at that time, I like, I couldn't be out anymore. And, like, everyone just, like, retreated in. And I think that's largely because of, like, the exact time when it happened. Yeah. I
0: and think it, that story, it, like, I think that story is is a good example of, like, what the time was like. But I also don't fucking believe anything that guy says. Like, I, 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 Well, yeah. Take that so, with a grain of salt. Yeah, like, I yeah. think that, that story is indicative of the time, if not completely truthful from that person. Guys, we have got yeah. to cut out, but I assure you that... Throughout the rest of this podcast episode, uh, we're going to be going back to uh, just sort of the queerness of the movie. It's it's really what makes it stand out. It's why it's important. So I'm sure we're going to get back to it. But before we do that, let's do a little Mount Rushmore.
1: Mount Rushmore.
0: Welcome back, folks. It is, of course, Mount Rushmore, the real Mount Rushmore is uh, dedicated to presidents, our top four presidents that we love because of how iconic they are. Um, We don't want to do presidents. What we are going to do tonight is build a Mount Rushmore to the four most iconic movie, gym coaches, or gym teachers and coaches of all time. Before we get into it, though, Taylor, I'm going to go to you. What what do you just need to be or do if you're going to be a great movie gym coach?
2: I think you have to at some point be chewing on something. That's like a number one for me. has oh. to, has to be in there. Um, whether that's like you've just got like a toothpick in there, or you're on like the big league chew, you gotta you gotta be ch- snacking down with them chompers.
0: I think for a lot of them, too, if you were like, open your mouth, what's in there? It's like, oh, nothing. That's just that's how my mouth works now. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's how it does. Tompkins, what do you need from your movie gym coach? And is it the same as what you need from your real-life high school gym teacher?
1: Uh, I was homeschooled. Um, but for movies, <laughs> you need them shorty shorts. And uh-huh. you also need to seem really mean at first. And then you either stay mean the whole time or are secretly nice.
0: One of those two Tompkins. things. I will say another uh, crazy thing about this trope, I guess, this character is, uh, I think a lot of the most iconic, or just in general, you get one scene. You know, most yeah. movies, if you, uh, like some of the most famous ones, you get one scene in that movie and you better fucking make it work. All right, let's get to it. Taylor, you are the challenger tonight, even though, uh, let me remind you, Tompkins did lose last week. Uh, who is your slam dunk gotta be on the mountain?
2: Um, I'm... I'm going to say, and this is a little bit fudging the, the requirements here. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, because I think this guy deserves it, or at least in my heart. Um, I'm going to choose from the movie Rookie of the Year, uh, Marv from The Wet Bandits, who I think is his official actor name, uh-huh. uh, who, who is the, the coach for the, the 13-year-old who has a, a superhuman pitching arm. But also plays for the Chicago Cubs. He plays for the Chicago Cubs, and uh, his coach tells him, he's like, listen, I've got it. Some people, they, they want to heat up an arm. Some people, they want to cool it down. I'll tell you what it is. Hot ice. <laughs> and, never and you've has never been forgotten been that advice. I have never forgotten that advice, so I pour hot ice on uh, onto my arm every time I go to pitch a big game for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, that's a to Maybe. His name is Daniel Stern, by the way. Daniel Not Stern. Marv. I never for, I never remember that. He was uh, also
1: in City Slickers.
2: He's also in City Slickers. And he I haven't also, seen City uh, Slickers
1: since I was five. City Slickers is great. It's a fun movie.
0: I mean, it's no City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, but <laughs> yes. whatever. Uh, he's also uh, old Kevin Arnold. Curly's That's Gold why, is his
1: pubes, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> his gold, gold pubes.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Tompkins, the, the mount is wide open. Yep. Taylor sort right. of blew it. Where are you gonna go?
1: Uh, this one I I, I think really needs no introduction except just to say his name, Herman Boone from Remember the Titans. Mm. Is that
0: Denzel Washington?
1: That is. Do you have a Denzel laugh? No, I can't. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there was they, a pause. Like I thought he was preparing to do like a really good one. Just like get in the zone. Yeah. I right. You could have done something there,
0: Tompkins. You could have yes ended somehow. If you, if you would just read Bossy Pants, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> um, this, I think, is super important. I think this is a, a iconic Denzel movie. And I think it's because it's the, it's the TNT-TBS syndrome of these movies sneak up on us. And everyone has seen them a million times, even though like the box office wasn't that great. And it's because these movies are just on three times a day for our entire lives. Yeah. What's his name again, Tompkins? Herman Boone. He's on, yeah, Tom yeah. Taylor.
2: Yes. All right, I'm gonna uh, throw someone out um, who's very near and dear to my heart, and who I think is um, America's the last father.
1: One was dear and dear to your heart. All of these are gonna
2: be near and dear to dear to my heart. <laughs> Spoiler alert: um, It's Coach Gordon Bombay from the Mighty Fucking Ducks. Yeah, I'm a I'm a
0: notorious Mighty Duck hater. Uh, I've never seen them, and I, every time. Um, <laughs> they're brought up on any of these podcasts I just start screaming and ranting but I don't think I can do it this time right like this is just it's finally brought up in an appropriate way and I think he just has to go <laughs>
2: on the mountain yeah he's, also he's what he's a fucking guy. name for a tiny little white guy Gordon Bombay yeah that's such <laughs> oh. a that sounds like a name that I would make up and put on Twitter
1: alright Bombay sounds like hor- hor- uh, Herman Boo and Travoltified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tomkins, where are we going? All right. Uh, I'm going to go with another another pretty obvious one. This one has like a slight, so, so I'll, I'll get to it. Gary Gaines from Friday Night Lights as played by one Billy Bob Thornton. But my thinking here is that maybe if you walk up to the statue and just peel away on the face of Billy Bob Thornton on this mountain, beneath it, you will see Coach Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights, the show.
0: Or maybe it's one of those things where when you're walking towards it, it's clearly Billy Bob, but if you walk past it and then look yes. at it, it's like, oh, <laughs> the face is changing. It's like yeah. some Haunted Mansion shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it sucks so much that we only talk about movies on this show because that means no Coach Taylor. And then Tompkins found a fucking way. Uh, Tompkins. Coach Taylor from, fr- from the show is going on the mountain. All right, we've only got one spot left. Taylor? Okay. Coach Taylor, where are we going?
2: Okay, I'm, I'm I'm gonna try and decide here. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Rick Moranis from Little Giants.
0: Oof! Uh,
2: any good? Uh,
1: that any is, Rick Moranis that is reference not, is good, right? That is not high school. That is Pee Wee football. Shh, shh! You shut your fucking mouth! I swear to God! I swear to God! I will slit your throat. I all right, I we're now it in up. speed round. talk what you and got? I knew someone would say it, and I feel so good for oh, shitting God. all over your day. <laughs>
2: Tomkins powerful
1: yeah um I'm gonna go with uh Rita Desjardins from Carrie um you know we talked about you either stay mean or you reveal yourself to be secretly nice she realizes that Carrie is uh having her monthly visitor for the first time and that um the kids are really not giving her a fair shake and she shows Sherry uh shows Carrie that that just little moment of of kindness and uh Adult fellowship that she needs so badly, and yeah. I, I think that I think that that's a very iconic archetype and a very iconic role.
0: I just I can't remember her face. So Taylor, what do you got?
2: Mm. Um, you, you know, uh, in, in some cultures, a coach is, is called a sensei, and uh-huh. that's why Mr. Miyagi, I think, should yeah, be listed as is. a high school coach.
1: No way, no hundred percent.
0: Dude, what? Ralph Baccio is in high school. He's in He's high school. Co- He's getting coached in karate. It's absolutely Mr. Miyagi. He
1: is not a high school... Can I, can I pitch my last one against that?
0: Yeah, but Taylor gets a point if you do.
1: Like, what do you mean? Like, no matter if you, what?
0: If, if you pitch this last one, I'll, I'll let you do it, but Taylor gets a point.
1: Okay, I guess you don't want to know.
0: All right, <laughs> 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 uh, so... I, I, I do have to reveal the one that would have gotten you five points if either one of you said it. Uh, it's a new game I just created that we're <laughs> going to do every week. Uh, it's uh, Sparky Palastri from Bring It On. Um, oh. Ian Roberts from Upright Citizens Brigade. would have gotten you five points. But here is your Mount Rushmore of high school coaches. Herman Boone from Remember the Titans. Gordon Bombay from the Mighty Ducks. Coach Taylor, Bob Thornton, and Mr. Miyagi. Congratulations to all four of them. When we come back, let's get back into Night Round Elm Street 2. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, like a lot of movies from this time, helps to create the fact, as we talked about before, that uh, we have to sequel the shit out of everything. That is still like a plague on our society today. Is this satisfying as a sequel, first of all? And second of all, does it matter? I was able to watch the first one before uh, we recorded tonight, and it's not only is it better in every fucking possible way, except <laughs> oh, for yeah. like being a little gay, uh, but also... Like, we talked about before, like, this sort of just feels like it comes out of nowhere. What Freddie just added, is this satisfying if you have seen Nightmare 1? And do horror sequels owe anything to the, like, the original, you know, product?
1: I think horror movies owe less to the original product than uh, most other genres, maybe any other genre, just because we've been conditioned to accept like, yeah, this is just going to go off the rails in like whatever way it does. Um, but I do feel like one of the things that is more strict is that the villain needs to have some consistency. And so I think it is not to this movie's credit that Freddie drastically changes his nature in several different ways. First of all, the need to possess someone to kill in the real world uh, you know at which least we already him. have
0: we have hundreds of movie monsters that already do that right yeah. <laughs> why did we need like oh Freddy does this cool original thing change it back to that fucking bullshit yeah. thing that everybody else does
1: yeah and, and there's no there's not even like a pretext given uh, to explain that and also the weird like Burning up birds and hot dogs, and uh, the waking world, and all that stuff—that has nothing to do with the first movie and is never explained, yeah. or they don't do anything interesting with it either. So, those were not particularly satisfying elements. Um, Taylor, yeah, and, and watching, Taylor, like, do you
0: need it explained? What mm-hmm. do you need it explained? I mean, it's a it's a fucking horror movie,
2: right? It's a two million dollar horror movie. Do you need this shit explained? Uh, no, absolutely not. But I also, like, uh, like I think this is more of, like, a, um, like, I think for f- specifically for fans of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, I understand why people hate this one. Like, I, I think as a standalone movie, fine, whatever. But, like, as a follow-up to Nightmare on Elm Street, like, if, if, like, fucking Dream Warriors is your favorite in the franchise, you fucking hate this movie. Like, you want it burned and, like, obliterated from the face of the earth. So, like, I think there's, like, an element of, like, uh, like, this movie fucked up in doing all of the... Like, like Tompkins said, it did all the worst things you can do as a sequel. It, like, destroyed the rules of the antagonist, which is, like, slasher movies live and die by, like, the rules of their their guy.
0: I mean, is this... Like, with horror movies, it's sort of a situation where, uh, unlike any other genre, please do the same thing, right? We sort of like that's why we're here is we we want you to do the same thing Uh, the other famous one is have you guys ever seen or heard of Halloween 3
2: yes absolutely uh, uh, season of the witch season of the witch which (laughs) is just
0: uh, we need to make another Halloween but no Michael Myers, get that shit out of here. He was well, he was slowing the franchise down. Let's just do something else. The
2: the fun thing about the Halloween franchise is that like it originally was supposed to be like every movie was just an anthology and like yeah. they had no relation to each other. But Michael Myers was so good that they're like, All right, well let's do a sequel with Michael Myers and, and then, then for we'll the third <laughs> and then for the third one we'll do something unrelated and that one fucking sucked. Yeah. Well
0: do like restart your idea like do an anthology thing and just have season of the witch be the first one they were like yeah. oh but we'll never come up with a fucking brilliant specific name like halloween so we well, gotta they were like that if title. we do
1: that season of the witch will just be a smashing success that people want more and more of we we gotta <laughs> <be> have terrible <laughs> we gotta have <laughs>
2: celtic wizards casting spells <laughs> with
1: bugs um i i do think like the the trouble with trying to make a sequel in general is that there's like a paradox at the heart of it where people want more of the same, but different. If you change everything around and try to surprise them, make it fresh and new, their reaction will be, why did you do this? I went to this because I liked the first one. But (laughs) if you just do everything that's in the first one, they'll be like, all you did was do the first one. And so I think that things like uh, the basic rules around Freddy Krueger and how he operates are important because playing around within those is how you can make something that is both the same and different. I also I, I also disagree that it, it doesn't matter um, whether or not things like the fire are motivated. I think that we think that about horror movies because our expectations uh, tend to be low but I've always hated when people say like, you know, when I'm like, oh, that didn't really make sense about, like, something in a Pixar movie, and someone would be like, well, it's a movie for kids, or something like that. Like, oh, yeah, that drives me crazy. There still needs to be rules, and, like, the basic rules of storytelling should apply to any given movie, right. and should be held against you if they're not. And I understand that it's more for In a court of law. Yes. Yeah.
2: it's. I understand if, like, you know, in, um, like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, like, yeah, if you, like, did the first one, and you're like, "Ah, we defeated Freddy, we're good, and then you're like, fuck, we need to make another one, fine, he's back from the dead, whatever, like, that will, will, like, give you, but, like, within the movie, you need to, like, be internally consistent with the world you've created, even if it's not the same world that we, the viewer, inhabit. Or even, yeah. like, you, you
0: would think that, like, having compelling characters is something that is a necessity for storytelling. And we've just decided horror <laughs> movies, th- that rule does not apply to them. And I'm totally yeah. fine with that. It's not why we're there. In a lot of the same ways why we're not watching porn for compelling characters. But well, especially in Slashers. Yeah, exactly. And it's because they're just fodder, you know? Like yeah. They're just cannon fodder. And we want to I don't want to get to know somebody before I watch them die. I just want to fucking watch <laughs> them die. Uh, but yeah to get rid of this premise and it's it's on record that the director hated the first one uh, yes. and so yeah. he was just like oh let me let me make that second one then uh <laughs> but it's it's not just the getting away from horror like being a nightmare like being in people's dreams like the first one was and instead possessing people that I think the worst part of the movie is it, there's a backyard high school party yes and freddie yes. just walks fucking out and he's like ah kids get out of here and now we're just seeing this guy as like a human a not very tall human with all these kids and now the movie is completely deflated as far as a yeah. horror movie goes That's,
2: yeah i think wes craven said he like famously hated this movie as well where he was like yeah you fucked up every good thing that i did like and he specifically pointed to that like uh, a pool scene where he's like Robert England's not a tall dude. Like yeah. when when you when, when you surround him with a bunch of like teenagers who are really all like twenty five to thirty, like they're full grown adults. <laughs> it's not it's not as scary anymore. And it's yeah, the Jaws thing too,
0: of like we don't have a high budget, so we're gonna make Freddie look as scary as we can,
2: but then cover
0: him in dark and shadows. Don't just have him <laughs> walk walk out next to Tiki torches and be like, "What's up,
2: fuckers." Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he and he's basically putting on like a Hawaiian shirt, and he's like, "Woohoo, here I am!" And like, just like <laughs> he's doing like like Joker flourishes when he like kills everyone. It's like, I this isn't scary anymore.
1: I did he's I did just like a the
0: hang loose sign with the the blades though with the fingernails. Yeah, that that's a, I that's think a is good keeper.
1: Um, but you can obscure the rest of him and get some hang loose uh, finger blades. I, I I think that like alien is the you know the thing it really mastered in the genre of horror is that things even things that look scary which let me tell you that alien does um are scarier when you cannot see them what if you watch the first alien you barely see the alien at all it's all about like catching quick flashes of it um anticipating its presence things like that and so a blip on a radar yeah, and this movie you get like a weird mutation of that where you really don't see Freddy that often. He's kind of like absent from the film. Uh, you know, like it feels like there's like up to like maybe fifteen minute stretches where you don't see him. But then when yeah. you do, it's just like full on close up portrait mode. Just like here's Freddy. Yeah, I I, I think I'm it's interesting you
2: brought up alien because i think alien as a franchise is also like the template almost for like doing a good sequel that is like you talked about like the same but different like aliens is a much different movie from alien but they're both like very good at what they do this is like a very different movie from the first nightmare on elm street but doesn't not successfully doing the things that are different and also abandoning the things that worked in the first one. I just,
0: I wonder that like the documentary makes it clear that everybody hated this movie. And like, there's, there's like uh, snippets from the internet of people saying very not nice things about how gay the movie is. And watching the documentary, you think that people hated it just because that it had all of this gayness in it. But I don't know. Uh, watching the movie, like I wonder if it was just way more hated because of the betrayal of the first one than it was. A guy does a gay little dance.
1: Well, it's you know I, in the same way we yeah. talked about, um, you know, like having this pretext or whatever. I think it kind of occupies that same space where it's like it's just a bad movie and a bad sequel, and there's gay stuff in it. So it's just like going to be such an obvious. Uh, focal point of people's hatred if they are homophobic. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so a, it's much like, easier to be like, Oh my God, that gay!" G- or do you see how gay it was or whatever, especially in the fucking eighties than it is to say like, yeah, I don't know. Like it was interesting. They, the, the, the premise of like, it just seems like this is a different monster altogether. Yeah. I, I do say like, yeah,
2: it had, it had both issues. But, like, I, I do think, like, the, the kills in this one are less imaginative. Like, there's no one getting, like, we don't have Johnny Depp getting eaten by a bed in this movie.
0: Holy yeah. shit, motherfucker. I just remembered the going into the bed part yeah. when I watched it today. I forgot about the fucking volcano that comes after it. Yeah. It's, it's amazing.
1: It's the first so one's so amazing. Much blood. It's, uh, I think, I think a big one knocking. Johnny Depp's worth of blood.
2: No. <laughs> you know, more than I, that for sure. I think a big knock against this movie is that like the director like has I think mentioned in behind the scenes interviews and like in the documentary watch he was like yeah, I was really worried because I didn't know how the fuck to do any of the special effects stuff <laughs> Yeah, and to do. And I, and I think that shows. Like, sometimes it's better. Like, when uh, the, the shot where um, Freddy is coming out of Jesse in the shower, yeah. like, coming out of his stomach, the, the moment where it cuts back and it's so very obviously a Jesse puppet was... <laughs> uh, like, I laughed out loud, which is not what the... <laughs> clearly no, not what they're intending.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, that- this
0: movie... I think this movie does consider itself above trauma, trauma, you know, like it thinks that it is more important than some low budget quickie movie, even though it's literally a low budget quickie movie. And it's because I think that this director wanted people to think that he was better than he is and now can finally admit it. And like the director too, like he's like, i I didn't know that it was gay, and I can't believe people think that. Yeah. Dude, if people <laughs> if, if people didn't think that, then no one would remember your movie fucking existed. You should get yeah. down on your knees and praise whoever that <laughs> this movie has gay shit. Otherwise, so you have a it
1: reason be... to be alive still. Yeah, so
0: like, there's a reason who people like people care about you.
2: I didn't. I didn't look it up. Did this director ever direct anything else that was like noteworthy in any no. way? He made a movie called The Hidden. Oh, do you guys remember I've, that? I've heard of that movie, at least. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't heard. Of it. I don't know
1: anything about it. And then uh, he directed
0: uh, six different uh, behind-the-scenes documentaries about Desperate Housewives.
1: Cool. <laughs> Hell Dope. yeah, we love. that. I think that's more up his alley for sure. And he—that's what we're
0: doing next week.
1: And he didn't even realize they were housewives. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just desperate I, single uh, people. Yeah, <laughs> I totally missed that. Um, I I think that this is a, a great example of the kind of thing, like I, I remember talking to someone once about Star Wars and who hated Star Wars and was like dickish about it and he was like, I don't understand why people don't like the new ones like they have like the ships and stuff right like isn't that what you want from those movies and it's just no. the the way that you talk something that you do not understand and are of dis, disdainful of without bothering to understand it it feels like that's kind of the way this guy is about horror because it's like stuff like the you know where it's like well the i made the bird like catch on fire and like the oh, hot yes. dogs and stuff like isn't that what you you want like you like this stuff don't you Isn't that fucking what you demand?
0: Tennis strings (laughs) popping as hard as they can. (laughs) And yeah, like you could see him directing that bird scene being like, man, Hitchcock is looking down on me saying, fuck yeah, bro. (laughs) You're a true director.
2: I well, like as we were watching that scene, uh, the person I was watching with looked at the screen, and went, "Oh, Hitchcock, The Birds." Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it so directly rips off like the effects and everything. Yeah, but better though, right?
0: Like I think this guy is Hitchcock plus for sure. Robbed right. my ass
1: for Shock and Terror uh, <laughs> territory.
0: Fuck, there, there's something that I love so much about the first movie in a franchise having a subtitle. Like, there was no... Just call it Birdemic, and then maybe use shock and terror for the second one. It's it's so weird. Uh, (laughs) Master and commander, far side of the world. Like, you guys got cocky, and if karma bit you in the ass. Alright, we do have to take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna do Nightmare on Elm Street 2 trivia, where Taylor and Tompkins are gonna earn all of their points. Trivia. That's right, you heard the robot, because the robot says trivia, and then it's time for trivia. Tompkins... In this season so far, would you say that mm. doing well in trivia makes or break makes or breaks your victory, or do you think you can overcome a poor showing in trivia?
1: It does not matter for me.
0: It does not it's, matter it's to you. Nothing to Tomkins. No. Trivia does not matter.
1: Uh no. The points I get from trivia will make no difference to in your life. Do do, do good, do bad. Uh, do, doesn't matter. This is I'm this is a
0: whole new Tompkins that. Uh, I've seen, and I can only assume that you are possessed by Freddy Krueger. All right, gentlemen, the rules are easy. Please wait until I finish the question and then buzz in by saying your name. Get it right. Get a point. Get it wrong. Nothing happens. Here we go. Trivia number one. During the P.E. scene, the boys are playing baseball. What are the girls doing a few feet away?
2: Taylor. Tompkins. Taylor. Uh, They are shooting bows and arrows. (laughs) What the fuck, guys? (laughs) What the fuck's (laughs) going on there? You can't do those two things on the same field. This is
0: like a common trope. Like, there's so many high school movies that just have. It's typically girls shooting bows and arrows during high school time.
2: Yeah, well, that's that, why they uh, they gave it to Cheryl
1: on Riverdale. Oh yeah, she's a fucking master bow yeah, and arrow for person. For no reason. Uh, so I'm a feminist, so I think it's good.
0: Good. Uh, that's about movies. Name a TV show about an archer. Taylor. Tompkins. Taylor. Uh, what the arrow. fuck? <laughs> No, not arrow. Tompkins? Uh, green arrow. No. Taylor. Taylor? Archer. It's Archer, yeah. It's about multiple archers. Taylor. <laughs> in the scene where Jesse and Freddie first come face to face, Freddie caresses Jesse's cheek. What was Robert England's suggestion in that scene?
1: Tompkins. Tompkins? That he put the finger blade in his mouth.
0: Right into the mouth, which. Yes. I. It seems like Robert England was fully on board that not just that this
1: movie was gay, but let's make it gayer, right? Yeah, yeah Robert England seemed to be the only person who knew what was going on while they were filming it.
0: And loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how does Wesley Snipes tell you he wants a blowjob?
2: Taylor. Taylor? He, he uh, puts a, a blade in your mouth.
0: Yeah, he says put the blade in your mouth. I'm going to give that to you. Uh, the infamous dance scene in Elm Street 2 is a nod to what movie? Taylor. Tompkins. Taylor. Risky Business? It is Risky Business.
2: Taylor.
0: What seminal teen drama on Fox had an entire episode that was a nod to Risky Business? Taylor. Taylor. Was it the OC? It was the OC. You son
2: of a bitch. <laughs> I, I hate that you made me do it.
0: What is the total minutes for Freddy's screen time?
1: Tompkins. Tompkins. I'm going to say 10. Higher. T- uh, Taylor. Uh, uh 11 higher tomkins <laughs> this is exciting uh 21
0: lower taylor
1: uh 16
0: it's 13 number 8 the noise <laughs> from the noise from what animal was added to the music every time Freddie was on screen tomkins Tompkins.
1: it was like whale sounds or something it was a whale
0: yeah that's how you make shit scary guys
1: Tom- <laughs> whales Ooh.
0: Uh, what animal noise do I hear when I'm looking at you two? Tompkins. Taylor. Tompkins.
1: Um, like a, a hyena laugh. Okay, it's part hyena laugh, and what else? <laughs> uh, uh,
2: uh, that noise a camel makes when it, like, farts with its mouth. That's correct. <laughs> you guys both got that.
0: Uh, Robert Ressler was driven to the audition for this movie by which of his Weird Science co-stars? Tompkins. Tompkins.
1: Robert Downey Jr.
0: It was Robert Downey Jr. Tompkins. This was this was probably not the time in history to get in a car with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, Christian Slater, John Stamos, Brad Pitt. Which of these three actors auditioned to be Jesse?
2: Taylor. Taylor. Tompkins. All of the above.
0: All of them is correct. What that's scene that's in this guess. movie? <laughs> what scene in this movie has Freddy Krueger played by a woman?
1: Tompkins. Tompkins. Um The fuck, I don't know. He's only a, uh, the bus. Is it the bus driver?
0: No, that was that was a boy. Taylor.
1: Um,
2: when he's getting when he's getting like lit on fire.
0: No, it's when uh he is like you can see inside of Jesse's mouth. There's an eye, and they built the uh... the puppet Jesse too small, and so they had to. Uh... Put a smaller girl head in there. Uh, <laughs> what is the most regrettable scene to the people who made this movie to this day? Tompkins. Taylor Tompkins, the dance scene. Incorrect. Taylor.
2: Hmm. Uh, fuck. I was gonna say the dance scene. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say the dance scene. <laughs> Still incorrect. It's, fuck.
0: It's the parakeet. If country uh, superstar uh, Mr. Urban and rock and roll drummer Mr. Moon started a band, what would it be called?
1: Tompkins. Tompkins. You got to have an urban, answer before you say your Ur- name. Urban Moon. Incorrect. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor. Parakeets. Parakeets is correct.
0: You son of a bitch. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, what do you call two piles of jizz on the floor? Tompkins. Tompkins.
1: Paraskeets.
0: Paraskeet is correct. <laughs> Tompkins. And finally, what would you call it if two vaginas farted at each other? Tompkins. Taylor. Tompkins? Pair of Incorrect. Taylor? What? P- uh, a pair of vaginas. Incorrect. What would you call it if two vaginas farted at each other? I would call it Taylor and Tompkins. Great job, guys. <laughs>
1: Fuck.
0: When we come back, we're going to dive back into Freddy 2 Nightmare on Elm Street, one part three. Back to Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Uh, this movie is less of a slasher film, like we sort of talk about, than other nightmares, uh, which means there's less of sort of like a victim after victim feel to it. There's less of like a, I don't know, line them up and let's see all the different ways to kill them. But that doesn't mean it's not without its like horror set pieces. Do any of them work, guys?
1: No. <laughs>
2: um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of any that like really work. Uh, an entire
1: set piece that like you know the cumulative effect is a positive one i would say no yeah there
0: are there are set pieces that have elements that are kind of cool or interesting or thoughtful and then one second later you're like oh but that's bullshit
2: yeah that was stupid yeah this movie's so weird to me because i feel like all the moments that aren't set pieces i'm like yeah, this is a fine movie. I'm okay with this. And then the instant there's any sort of, like, element that should be the draw of the movie, I'm like, this sucks. Get this (laughs) out of here. Throw this in the garbage. Let's go over a couple.
0: Uh, Let's start with the death of the gym teacher. Um, Was this... This is, like, where it it all, like, you know, it all comes to a head, and we see exactly what everybody's been talking about with this movie. But as a horror set piece, was it effective to see... uh, sports equipment go fucking off like they you know they've always wanted to they've always <laughs> just wanted to like go crazy and then murder a gym teacher uh, uh i feel no. like the
2: yeah i feel like the <laughs> balls flying out was almost <laughs> almost good uh but like they they lingered on it too long to where the point like they made me confront the idea of like well it wouldn't hurt that much if like a tennis ball hit you like i, yeah. I, I don't care <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, in,
1: that needs to be like the horror amuse bouche. You know, you can get yeah. like one little nip of that before you you move yeah, on to something better. But all it has to follow it up with is like, and now the tennis rackets are doing Ooh. something a little weird. Yeah, I, I thought it
2: was, the,
0: idea- it was just the strings breaking though. Like yeah. it wasn't yeah.
2: dangerous. It wasn't loud. It was yeah. just bink, bink, bink. I, I I thought that the uh, the idea of the the jump ropes being like. Like moving, like like dragging, like bondage things were like cool. Um, but then it led to just a bunch of ass slapping with towels, which seemed juvenile and silly in a way that uh just made me laugh more than anything. And like yeah, it's like I was talking about
0: before, it's confusing as to like what the screenwriter intended as far as the queerness of this movie. But I think it's very clear that. He did not have a good relationship with his high school gym coach and <laughs> no. took a lot of shit out on this screenplay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think you could rewrite this scene. Like there are elements within it that could become interesting in the hands of a skilled auteur. Uh like the idea of this coach is about to it looks like, you know, assault this kid and then instead having the tables turned and in this sort of like uh s&m way i think that someone good could do something interesting with that but someone good was not behind the camera on this one and it, we're not we're not going to
0: argue this right like that's just a matter of fact that yeah
1: <laughs> and this director's a schlub. It's weird because the director is adamantly like, I had no clue any of that stuff. He claims that when they went to the gay bar, he didn't know it was a gay bar. He's just like, totally... And I guess, it's again, it's like the 80s, so maybe that is how it was. But it's just wild because, like, really, this scene is just too busy being horny to be scary. It's also,
0: too, going back to the whole thing of, is this movie homophobic? Is Freddy Krueger just... Uh, gay people taking over the suburbs or whatever this is like i think he's the most clearly obvious gay character and yeah. between the time we find out that he's gay and the time that he dies he's clearly going to fucking rape uh,
1: a high school yeah student. yeah
2: th- that's a real bummer to confront as as like a concept right
1: yeah okay let's
0: go to the parakeet did we cover that one is there anything else that we we have to do now next Uh, Grady and um, Jesse in the same room and then Freddie coming out of we talked about how it's so very poorly done and cheap and cheesy but like was there
1: element was there flashes of like "Ah, that's kind of ingenious that's okay yeah I think that that could have been again like you know, I, I I think all bad movies have a good movie somewhere inside them, and you can catch little glimpses of like what subconsciously the people who are making it uh, making it were, were picking up on. They just weren't good enough to like be like, oh, that's what I'm doing here, and like develop it. And so like this idea of you know this monster comes out inside you know like uh, the fear of one's own sexuality or whatever like. I think that there could have been something interesting there as well. But it's, again, it's like this weird, you know, the writer claims like, oh, it was all subtext before, but it really wasn't. He's a shitty writer too. And it's all like, you know, the friend being like, well, you want to sleep with me? Yeah. Not a girl? What's up with that? You've got a girl who wants to be inside you. Why are you here?
2: Yeah. It's like so odd. Like, it's it's like th- the screenwriter walked up to a teenage boy and was like, hey, here's all the jokes that I want to make. You just say them word for word without me having to, like, do writing. I don't want to yeah. do
0: writing. Doing writing is so hard. I don't want to do that. And it's weird, too, because uh, the writer, every time that he says, like, you know, there was a little bit of gay subtext here. For every time he says that, he has also said, uh this is the straightest movie of all time and it's Mark <laughs> Patton's gayness that makes it gay. And yeah. you're watching something like Freddy Krueger come out and you're thinking at the same time this is this is gay but it's accidental and it looks like shit. And again it's not Freddy's powers. He doesn't possess, he takes over dreams. <laughs> it's not a thing that he
2: does. God damn <laughs> it.
0: All right. It. Uh, we haven't talked about the the final thing at all where it like the movie is sort of handed over to Lisa, the the girl across the street. And she's the one who runs the giant maze through the there's, – there's always some sort of, like, giant factory you have to go to at the end. Yeah. Um, and then she goes and teaches Freddy Krueger and Jesse how to love <laughs> and wins
2: the day. Uh, what Was there anything good to hear? No. <laughs> no, other than the fact that we got a little more time with Lisa, who looks exactly like Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to deny yeah. her. Lisa and
1: her friend were were both um, easy on the eyes, you could say.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, I I enjoyed her being sort of the focus for a bit. Um, It was... Like it was fun in a way that I'm not sure the movie intended to watch her run around the factory and occasionally like just kind of flap her arms because she yeah. like ran out of runway, but like they couldn't end the
1: shot soon enough. Also, what the fuck was up with the the dogs with oh. like the doll faces? All and right. Whatever. Let's get to it. This let's is the get, most important yeah. thing. So <laughs> really Lisa, bad.
0: Lisa gets to the final level and uh there's two guard dogs there but the guards have sort of human faces that sort of reminded me of the end of sleepaway camp just frozen laughing but faces got
2: fucked up baby faces they've got yeah. a, there's, a there's nothing about
0: like them in this movie that would predict them or that's not part of Freddy's shit it felt like oh hey this this movie where these dogs make sense is done using these props should we just throw them in our movie and yeah. they were horrible. It
1: was the scariest part of the movie by far. What it, what it felt like is that someone was like, hey, um, my daughter tears the faces off of all her dolls because she recently underwent trauma. So I just have like a bunch of doll faces lying around. And then someone else was like, well, I've got a bunch of untrained dogs. Do you think we could just, do you, think you know, be
0: best friends forever? <laughs> I think yeah. there's an
1: opportunity
2: for both of us here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like peanut butter and chocolate It worked out completely
1: <laughs> These, I've got two dogs who are camera shy The way most dogs are gun shy Maybe if we like completely obscure their vision And then like super glue them to the floor We could get something scary that way I've, I've just adopted
2: two dogs Who are into real fucked up kabuki theater <laughs> What do you got for them? Yeah. And the agent was like I've got the perfect thing Hold on <laughs> Let me get on the phone with my good friend jack shoulder
1: (laughs) there is a a good one good like camera trick or whatever where she's running and the thing drops out beneath her and she's just hanging from the thing and then they do like a match cut or something and show that she's actually just collapsed on the like just on a technical level that looked good but i don't care and i don't care about what it means yeah have you guys seen those
0: internet videos of uh there's like a bridge you can cross and it's like screens, yeah. And so while you're walking on it, the screens look like cracked glass, and they're yeah. about to break. And just watch watch people's
2: legs turn to jelly. Ooh, <laughs> fuck that. Uh, yeah, I think the the most successful that this movie gets with playing with the stuff is like having people like see fucked up shit that is then revealed to just be like, yeah, th- their yeah. psychic stuff. But like, I think that yeah. was like the. Them taking the best parts of the first movie and then fucking with the rules of it in a way that made it not make sense anymore. He's like, Well, they're not dreaming in the day. I mean, yeah. one of the craziest
0: parts of the movie
2: is he falls asleep in class and then a snake
0: comes to eat him and then he wakes up and there's, a fu- there's just a snake on him. The, like, the the snake that's the actual is snake real. from the classroom. There was, it was an it was actual
2: snake. snake. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, the scene teacher too. is
1: just mad that he is playing with a snake. Yeah, um, and very mad. Yes, And, like,
2: when he gets in trouble, all the all the other kids are laughing, and then he, like, looks at him, and, he's like, and he gives them a look. He's like, you guys. No, and the middle if finger. You, if you put a fucking snake on me while I'm asleep, I'm going to, like, change schools. Fuck you guys. You're not my friends. We're not sitting together at lunch. That's not cool.
1: But he becomes good friends with Rod because they, yeah, that's that's another weird, like, It's it's also, it goes back to, like, the homophobia slash homoerotic stuff where it's, like, it's a mixture of like clearly that was either consciously or subconsciously intent. Also, it's just really bad writing because they're trying to do the like oh we're enemies but now we're friends thing. But yeah. the way that happens in writing is there's a scene where Talk they're games. they're mean to each other and then there's a scene where they're nice to each other and you're just supposed to pick up on. And then,
2: oh yeah, they're best friends now. Yeah, and then we
1: see the power dynamic
0: perfectly switch in another incredible scene where uh, Grady refuses to chew or swallow. He just yes. fills his mouth with like two burgers <laughs> and, it- and screams dialogue. And then Jesse yeah. finally steps up and he's like, can you get the fuck out of here, dude? And he stands up and he leaves. And then I don't know what he said. Yeah, Grady's yeah. like,
2: fine, I- me and my three milk cartons are going to get out of here. <laughs> there was a um, little bit of
0: evil Ed energy in Grady. of just like, yeah. what the fuck, man?
1: <laughs> also, the the, the ending... The very, very ending scene, she confronts Freddy Krueger with love and kisses him on his mouth and... His uh, non-chapstick lips. So he bursts into his signature flames. That's always been a thing Freddy Krueger has been all about, is he makes stuff catch on fire, but now he's on fire. And then Jesse climbs out of, like, the charred body. And that sucks on, like, two levels in a way that are are very... uh, that that are very intertwined because uh it's antithetical to a slasher movie to do like the whole like you know it's the final confrontation but it's huh. like but it's love that wins the day that's not what people go to a fucking slasher for come on don't do that and that is also the moment so it's like most betraying you know what people go to slasher movies for, uh, in a very boring way, and it's to me the moment that is most definitively homophobic. Um, yeah, this is when yeah, it like topics. it like
0: you if if you like are proud of this movie as a gay person, like you have to ignore this part because he defeats yeah.
1: homosexuality. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, a gay conversion movie,
2: right? It's a pre the gay the way movie where there's, like you just need the love of a good Christian woman, and and yeah. you,
1: all these will, like urges will go away
0: preferably who looks like Meryl Streep. Like, that's yes. going to be your best bet.
1: Yeah. And if someone could do it, it would be someone who looks like Meryl Streep. But it <laughs> cannot be there.
0: Speed round. All right, guys. Here we go. Last chance for point. Th- th- there's, like, three more chances for points. i got to stop saying that. <laughs> uh, speed round number one. And Taylor, you don't have to say your name. You just say <laughs> Tompkins' name or just bust in. All right, cool. uh, would you buy and or eat a cereal called Fu Manchus. Taylor. <laughs> yes, yes Taylor? I would. <laughs> Taylor, that's racist. I'm giving <laughs> Tompkins a point for that. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, weird little thing there where we have an incredibly racist uh, version of Fu Manchu on the cover of a serial as if he's like, he does he also have a Saturday morning cartoon in this universe?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Chewy is not a uh, quality I want in serial. Yeah. So great name for a candy. Yeah. But maybe a great not a name scene. for a wookiee.
2: I, I like that in this universe they have just like the racist version of like the Booberry and Count Jocula
1: universe. Yeah. <laughs> and if we were recording this podcast 10 years ago, we would come up with 10 other cereals yeah, from yeah, this yeah. movie. Today we will skip it.
0: Are you sure because we have answered all of the other speed around <laughs> questions. So, <laughs> one of the final ways to get points, Taylor, what other cereals are in this movie? Give me no. one.
2: Uh, uh, oh, I don't. Uh, 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 oh, oh, uh, Patty oat malleys. Okay, that's racist
0: against Irish people. I will not have that. Tompkins gets the Tompkins. point. When we come back, let's <laughs> hand out some awards. That's right, you heard the sound It's awards time Uh, Once again, the 1985 Or I guess the 1986 Oscars uh, Gave this movie Zero awards I do think that, Tompkins, we have only dealt with Non-nominated films so far in this season Horror Uh, doesn't get its due It it really never does Um, So what we're going to do is We're going to give it Its very own awards Uh, We're going to start with what is called the bondage award Tompkins do you want to explain this please
1: uh yeah it's I mean I can it it's kind of right in the title but uh obviously this means um the teenaged uh character played by an actor who is closest to being bond aged um so more suitable to play you know James Bond than a, a teenager but again it's you know
0: it's right there in the title. I I just yeah. I, sometimes I think that the audience is stupider than they are. How how yep. old do we think James Bond is?
1: James Bond is forty
2: five. Forty five.
0: I was gonna say thirty eight. I
2: I think canonically in my canon James Bond is forever exactly thirty two.
0: That's too young, dude. No, he yeah. has no. to be. He has to be more weathered than that.
2: Wait. No, no, I I think they get actors. They do the same thing to James Bond that they do to high school kids. They get an older actor. To play a younger James Bond. <laughs> so that's Kins, I, that's think, my theory.
1: I think James Bond is 70. That's pretty good.
0: Uh, yeah. Tompkins, who, who who do you think should get this bondage award?
1: Um, if we are limiting it to uh, named characters, then I would say... Uh, I am not limiting it to that. Okay, Uh, if it was named characters, I would say Robert Ressler as Ron Grady um, because he has Widow's Peaks. Um, I agree. If it's just, uh, yes, several. (laughs) His Widow's are a-peaking. If it is unnamed characters in the uh, lunch scene where Ron Grady uh, has his mouth so full of food, um, right after Jesse grabs his tray, there is... Um, an extra who has to be a high school student because they're in line at the high school cafeteria and who his his shirt is open by, like, three buttons and he just has, like, a full Italian chest of hair.
0: (laughs) Is there a medallion somewhere in there?
1: Yes. Buried deep, deep within the... Well, (laughs) now I have to go...
0: Now I have to go rewatch the movie, but for right now, I I screen capped
1: it. Um, So if if we need to prove that this is, in fact, the oldest person who has ever been in a high school, whether on film or not, uh, I can. But boy, is this an old high school student.
0: (laughs) I mean, I got to say that I wear, you know, shirts that go up to my tippy tippy neck because I have no chest hair. If I had a lot of it, it would never be covered up.
1: If I had a lot of it and I was 14, you bet.
0: (laughs) Taylor, uh, I think Grady is the person to beat. Who do you got?
2: Well, I I also had picked Grady, uh, but I I actually looked it up. And do you guys know how old Grady, like the actor who played Grady was, when this movie actually came out? I do not. Is this trivia? This is trivia. Ryan. Uh, (laughs) uh, Ryan. I do not know. Uh, Tompkins. He was. Tompkins. 23. Younger, he was twenty years old. Like wow, shit. Yeah. a lot of he, testosterone. He basically, he basically was a high schooler, but he looked way older than everyone else in the cast. Did you guys yeah. see
0: that uh, they're making a sitcom about Dwayne Johnson's like middle school and high school years, where he's famously forty two when he was in eighth grade? If you've seen the pictures, <laughs> and now there's going to be a sitcom about him just fucking milfs all day long.
1: <laughs> what? No.
0: Uh, Tompkins gets the point. The next one is body horror, guys. What's the one? Because I think that with this, everybody has a different part of
2: the body that, like, squirms and screams them out. Uh, Taylor, what do you have? Um, well, I, if, if it depends on, like, uh, what you're talking about, the part of the body. Because if we're counting, just it has a, a semblance of humanness to it. The dogs with the baby faces is absolutely the worst. Um, But if that's disqualified... No, it's fine. Uh, okay, ba- cool. Then that's it. <laughs> baby face is
0: typically just a compliment, right? Like, oh, you have a baby face. Unless you're a fucking dog, and it's the worst thing I've ever
2: seen. <laughs> I also think babies are horrific to me. But, like, Taylor, you have a baby face. You yeah, look, and I fucking hate looking at myself in the mirror. And
1: you're a I, dog.
0: And you're a dog, so you're disgusting. <laughs> Tompkins, where are we going?
1: Uh, When the... um. Freddy Krueger finger blades come out of Jesse's fingers. One hundred percent, Tom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah. That was the If if uh, dogs with baby faces was disqualified, that would be my next one. Yeah. Fuck man. Like I like. I I just didn't think
0: that this movie had it in it to make me like fucking gag a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I don't do finger
2: stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: no fingers. Just stuff, thinking guys. of
1: like the times you know, like when you accidentally you know, poke something even a little bit under your yep. fingernail. Yep. Ugh. Oh, I, fuck. Oh. I have this
0: thing where, like, I'll be laying in bed next to my wife and she'll be asleep, and I'll think about her foot accidentally, like, grazing the back of my leg and her big toe <laughs> toenail just pulling back somehow because she – and, like, I'll, now I'm awake for the rest of the night, like,
2: hyperventilating. Okay. I,
0: I'm glad that I'm not the only one who does
2: that because I do the exact same thing. Oh, fuck.
0: Uh, okay so Tompkins <laughs> takes that down Tompkins are up for and I, I don't know why we have this award now uh cringiest moment what non horror or non body thing uh, made you cringe the most
1: um I already talked about it the kiss at the end because there there are other things that are um you know homophobic uh in this movie um but this is the most like openly like there's no there's nothing to enjoy there there's no you know it is just Literally a metaphor for uh, curing someone's homosexuality through the love of a good woman, and it is also just horrible pacing and everything else. It's cringy. Yeah. In all like, the ways as I don't like things to be cringy.
0: <laughs> as you went over, like they just they were like, "Oh shit, it's page eighty-seven of the script. We have to wrap this movie up." Yeah. And so they did it quickly, not thinking that th- it was a double betrayal. They were just. Yep. <laughs> They were, like, stabbing many people right in the back. Taylor, what was the cringiest moment?
2: Um, I would have to say the extended sequence of uh, the coach in the shower getting his ass whipped by the towels. It went on for so long, and it was, like, so obvious that, like, the movie felt like it was doing something and being really creative, and, like, this was, like, their their touchstone kill for the movie, (laughs) and, like, none of it worked. (laughs) And, like, I... I just felt ashamed for, like, everyone making the movie during that scene.
1: The documentary, like, softened me. To, you know, like, people talking about, like, oh, yeah, that was kind of the, you know, first time I had seen. It. You know, like, the, to me, there are yeah. at least incidentally things that are redeemable about that. The kiss at the end was, was hard to watch. Yeah. Partially because his face is, you know, this guy's not a looker.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that, that's how like that was sort of my acting in high school so that's how I related to this movie Tompkins takes Tompkins. it down once again uh, Taylor yeah. director's signature moment we've talked nonstop about how Jack Shoulder is yes. one of the most creative geniuses that has ever been born <laughs> uh, right. a, a titan in film history uh, what do you think is the proof of that
2: um, I think uh, he has a penchant for fucking up kitchen appliances for no reason. <laughs> I think that's really what he goes for. He like wants Tim the Toolman to Taylor? Yeah, exactly. Like Tim the Toolman Tool Taylor. I-, I have heard from behind the scenes that he would come on to set every day. He's like, uh, 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 more power. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, like, he lights the toaster on fire for, for absolutely no reason that's ever explained. Lightning strikes the dish rack. Yeah, uh, I and every say, time like, something you, like
1: this happens, people are like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. the, the dad like, runs over. Like weird, Jesse's weird like,
0: Dad, I swear to God, Freddy Krueger, he's in the house, uh, and I'm possessed. And then the toaster lights on fire, and the dad's like, Oh, let me put that out. All right, Jesse, huh. go to your room, unpack your room. I do not like. No, nah, I, I, I do not care because, about whatever huh, the fuck are saying. Wasn't even plugged in. Wasn't <laughs> even plugged in. Moving on. <laughs> well, <laughs> what are you gonna do? All right, Tompkins, director's yeah, I, I, signature. I,
1: I guess a signature would have to be whatever in this most feels like a desperate housewives behind behind the scenes moment. <laughs> uh, which I did not strongly pick up on. So instead I will take my cue from the documentary and say that it's um all of the dialogue that is meant to contain some sort of subtext just being spoken with like no so like I, I picked uh the moment where Uh, Jesse's friends is talking about the coach and says he's got a real stick up his ass he's always got a stick up his ass and it's like okay that is clearly meant to be like an allusion to homosexuality or whatever but because the director is such a clueless fucking dork he just has the character be like yeah he's got he's like just say it flat let's not put any inflection on this i mean how many, times has, freddie, how, how many times has
0: freddie how many times does freddie say to jesse i want to be inside you i want to yeah. be in your body you know i want, yeah. want to be one with you
1: and, and just the director's always, like, got it ship it yeah <laughs> and The director's like yeah I, I don't know how else you could say that But <laughs> uh, this one's gonna go to taylor because i do
0: think that the director i could just feel him getting off on the fact that like everyone's scared of scary things but what if I made people scared of things that aren't scary at all? And also,
2: I made also I made them not scared at all. Would that be a horror movie? And it is not. For, no. for Halloween one year, he, like, gave his wife a KitchenAid mixer. He's like, ooh, I gotcha! <laughs> Careful. All right, the final one, Taylor,
0: is pound-for-pound yeah. pound performance. So this is the award that doesn't necessarily go to the lead, but who did the most with their amount of screen time? Who do we got?
2: I think the the obvious answer... Is Grady, and there were there were moments where he he had a little dip, but I think nothing else in this entire movie comes close to popping the way that his scene full of food at the cafeteria table does. Like everything that he <laughs> says in that scene is golden, and the way that he delivers it, perfect. He's he's bringing energy that was much needed in the film, and I was it was that moment I was like, I wish Grady was in more of this.
0: Uh, best one of the best lines of dialogue in the movie, um, where Jesse is clearly tormented and going through something, and then says, "Grady, do you remember your dreams?" And he says, "Only the wet ones, bro." <laughs> <Woo>! Grady time!
2: <laughs> 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 it's such a yes, Grady, yes, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Tomkins, we love Grady. What do you got? Um, it's interesting that Taylor thinks that's the obvious choice because I think the obvious choice is, in fact, Robert England as Freddy Krueger. First of all, Robert ah, England yes. is never going to win one of these for anything else. Uh, no other Freddy Krueger will be on this and he is legitimately good as Freddy Krueger. We as we saw in the documentary, he was the only person who has understood what was going on in this and tried to tailor his performance to that. Um and he he's just a creepy good person and whenever he does happen to be on screen, you're like, yeah, that's that's Freddy, he's doing it.
0: I yeah, it's fair. I think it's right. so like it's such a and like I'm sure you guys read the story where they were like fuck him we don't need him anybody can play yeah. Freddy and then like five days into filming they were like get that guy on the phone we need him back <laughs> and yeah. that that perfect level of I would say that like he, he's he got the most perfect understanding of the tone where he is always you know like taking it as seriously or not seriously as the scene demands yeah
2: yeah I, I think yeah I, Freddy obviously is a, a big draw for, like he's still being Freddie and like Robert England is great, but I think this is the worst Freddie. Like he was given the worst Freddie stuff to do. So
1: I think that drags it down in my estimation,
2: but you're right. He is like the best part of the movie.
1: I also think that this is like, you know, when Al Pacino gets an Oscar for like scent of a wound or it's uh-huh. like, okay, that's not yeah. his best, but like we are also, you know, understanding that this is a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. I
0: was I was also expecting more like puns. Does that happen yeah. later? I thought he was like a wisecracking pun idiot. And I think this m- of this Spider-Man. movie, didn't
2: have a good writer.
0: <laughs> but he also didn't do it in the first one.
2: No. So at some point he,
0: he just becomes like a a, a wisecracker. Yeah. He
2: did it. Al- he did it. Al- like just. I like think a it comes into his own, in the first one. You know
1: at a certain yeah. point like he uh, after wearing the mantle of Freddy Krueger for so long you know he, he gets comfortable you do with his skill he can you know he can he can let fly with the zingers
0: uh so the winner there is Ryan uh because it is very clearly Lisa um she is the best actor by far she's the only one with any talent and uh, I will uh, cite as evidence she blows past those uh baby-faced dogs because she's on a mission but an hour before that in the movie, when they're in that same factory, uh, Jesse opens up a door, and there's a rat. And that's not supernatural. That's just a place where rats live. And she <laughs> she is more horrified than any other part of this movie, that there could be a rat in there. So I'm giving it to Meryl, the, the Meryl Streep of our generation. So yes. your bondage award, uh, people who look closer to James Bond's age than high school age goes to Grady. Uh, the body horror was blade fingers the cringiest moment was the kiss at the end for a double betrayal director's moment is uh, what are those kitchen appliances let's do something with that and your performance of the movie is Lisa when we come back guys that's it I'm going to total up the points and I'm going to reveal who won is our show nightmare on elm street nightmare of the elm street to i don't i I don't know man i 85
1: elm street revenge to doing it elm street style baby did we talk about uh who exactly the revenge was on i guess Uh, us kids (laughs) society the real revenge was inside us the whole time i so that
0: was the movie guys um Taylor, I'm going to start with you because you haven't watched any of these other movies, but just based on this one, do you think that it has the chance to go all the way and take the tournament down? Uh,
2: n- no. I think it's a, it's an important and interesting one to talk about, but I don't think it was uh, particularly good. Um, it, it was like a fine, oh. it, exactly like a 2.5 out of 5 uh, movie.
1: Tompkins, what do you think? Nope. No way in hell. I think it's interesting, and it's 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 fun to talk about in the context of, like, yeah, the horror pantheon. Um, in the same way that, like, uh, I don't understand people who like pro wrestling, but then when I hear people talk about why they like pro wrestling, I get into it. Um, yeah. And it has so much to do with, like, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the drama that's going on, all, all that. This kind of feels that way where it's like i was interested in watching it i was interested in talking about it but it had so little to do with like what was presented to me on screen in isolation without requiring outside context it will not win the final bracket
0: (laughs) okay so we're (laughs) declaring it now there's no fucking point for this movie to be in here but i will say that i think a lot of people and maybe including me think that like horror movies don't have a lot of range you know they're Mm. they're samesy and over the last couple of weeks, I've watched Nightmare 1, Nightmare 2, and Friday the 13th 5. And let me tell you, folks, there's a ton of fucking range in horror movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nightmare 1 is a all-timer. Like, it's yeah. really good. It's really interesting. It's very well done. And Nightmare 2 sucks compared to it, but is Citizen Kane compared to Friday the 13th <laughs> 5, A New Beginning.
2: Yeah, so some of them suck. Like I just recently watched the uh, 2019 Black Christmas remake, and oh boy, talk about a real swing and a miss of a movie. (laughs) But like the 1974 Black Christmas, all time. Like I, I would rate. Like I think it's like all time great movie. But I think
0: that's the that like that's the safest money though. Is that remakes? uh, Modern remakes of horror movies suck because. Uh, they just don't get it in every way. Like yeah. they're like, I can't come up with my own idea. And then also, I saw this movie from the seventies or the eighties or the nineties, and I don't understand why it was popular. Yeah, I'll fucking
1: remake it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will. Even with like Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, it it's obviously like a horrendous movie, but you get sucked into like the lore of the because these are all right. all the famous slashers that have like you know ten movies. Um, at least and they go so off the rails at a certain point and so it is kind of you know similar to like yeah being like a Star Wars fan or something where you kind of like come to a place of acceptance where you you're like there's two and a half good Star Wars movies Um, but I'm still going to read all the Wikipedia entries about like Luke and Leia's children and like what happens like I'll just follow this endlessly because I'm like locked in already
2: like, if you go up to someone and say, Jason Goes to Manhattan is the phantom menace of the Friday the 13th franchise, a bunch of people will say, yes, that's yeah, correct. In fact, and put I love that it. on a
0: t-shirt and make new friends. Like, people will see that on your shirt and they will come to you or they will not. Yeah. Uh, I remember the moment where I realized that most Star Wars movies are bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, their batting average is now terrible. Yeah. Uh, did you guys, I forgot to ask you, did you guys watch the
2: 2010 nightmare uh i think i started it and fell asleep partway through which i don't think was a, a a reflection on the 2010 nightmare as much as it was that i was tired but make of that what you will
0: it has a crazy bad reputation
2: all right let's get to the main event
0: this is who won we know that nightmare 2 lost and it will not be winning the bracket but taylor you came in hardcore had twenty two points. Hell yeah, that's probably a great amount, right? Actually no. Uh, I'm trying to like you know, be like a consummate host and prop so you. So you you're up trying to like let Tompkins down easy. That's a b- fucking about the terrible about score. <laughs> twenty two is jack shit, bro. Did you watch the movie? Uh <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Tompkins, you had thirty points, you crushed him. Good. But this was this this was the episode where you no longer care about points and so don't care about this.
1: No, I also know that it's it's basically like this is this has gotta last me a while.
2: <laughs> this like feeling points? of
1: victory. Yeah. Yeah. The government's uh, about
2: to start rationing
1: points. Yeah. So. It's it's not coming back for a good while. Um I will say the last time I podcasted with Taylor was a movie of the year forever ago, and he burnt me real good right at the end of it. Um uh. because we were talking about Phantom Thread, and I wanted it to win. And I said, like, I know. I think this is, like, a very original movie. And uh, you were like, oh, well, I just said that because, you know, he specifically said that he's just remaking or he's just uh, ripping off Hitchcock. And then they're like, all right, that's our time. Bye. <laughs> and so now all these years later, I planted the seeds of revenge, and I watched Fuck. them grow. Freddy's now, Revenge. Taylor, this is Tompkins revenge. you are Hello. eating the dirt between my toes. Fuck. You are Fuck. scum low life bad and I'm good and I probably keep winning this. I deserved this. <laughs> I, earn, I, I I I earned this
2: with my poor behavior. I'm sorry. Tompkins next week is
0: a uh, phenomena or next episode. Do you know yeah. what that movie is? Uh, John Travolta has a brain tumor. Nope. <laughs> uh, one fewer letter than that that movie uh, Taylor will not be here but Tomkins will be as yes. I will be as well as we continue our journey to find out what is the greatest horror movie of 85 T- Taylor thank you so much for being here is there uh, anything you want to plug or social media or uh, uh, is there I- like
2: do you have like a favorite jelly or jam that you want to like promote? I will say, guys, I've I've moved from my primary jam being like a like a grape based. We're we're an all raspberry jam or preserves uh, situation in this household now, and it's fucking great. You got it if you're just sticking with your safes, like maybe a strawberry every now and then get some raspberry, get a little blackberry going. uh, A lot of little seeds, though, with the raspberry, though, right? Well, it depends on what you get. Now, like, if you're getting, like, a jam, usually the seeds are out. If you're getting preserves, yeah, you're going to have a lot of little seeds. But I like them for the texture. They add a little extra little tartness. You got to
1: understand, a a jelly is made from the juice of a fruit, whereas a jam is made from the preserves of a fruit. So jam, yeah, you're going to have some seeds. You're going to have some – a jelly, though, is going to be – Clear Death and smooth. Yeah. Also, here's
0: my rule: is uh, don't buy grape jelly. Buy something else. Buy something more, a little more exotic. Because every restaurant you go to for the rest of your life will have. That's where you will get your grape jelly fix. Yeah. They have nothing but grape jelly. So try something else when you're at the grocery store. Peach. That's, How about peach? Yeah. I, also, you know, I,
1: get into those butters, those fruit butters. Oh, oh fruit uh, butters. An apple butter. I love yeah. an apple butter. Mm.
2: I you know I got a peanut butter from uh from the Whole Foods 365 the other day. just yeah. soup. Just soup inside there. It's a liquid butter. I'm not yeah. a fan. I don't like I say, soupy do you butter. You have to shake it up.
1: Apple butter. I is, listen, I mixed
2: it up so much. It's still
1: soup. Apple butter is so good that it can look exactly like baby diarrhea and still <laughs> oh, be <yeah>. appealing. <laughs> like all right. When you I would eat it out of a diaper. When you, yeah, when you look at apple butter, you don't think that looks like baby diarrhea. When you look at baby diarrhea, you think that looks like apple butter. My mom's
0: mom made homemade <laughs> apple butter and homemade baby diarrhea.
1: <laughs> and Let me tell you, they were both. <laughs> for excellent. Taylor, for
0: Tompkins, I'm Ryan. We will see you next time.